0: Friday, May 10th, 2019, Happy Mother's Day edition of On Iowa Politics. This week, who's in, who's out in the 2nd District, a 3rd District GOP primary, and hot buttons. Hi, I'm James Lynch of the Cedar Rapids Gazette. With me today are Ed Tibbetts of the Quad City Times. Good morning, Ed. Morning, James. Thomas Nelson of the Waterloo Cedar Falls Courier. Good morning, Tom. Good morning, James. And Gazette columnist Todd Dorman. Good morning, Todd. Good morning, you can find us on Facebook, follow us on Twitter, and subscribe to On Iowa Politics on iTunes and Stitcher. First up, who's in, who's out in the 2nd District? Speculation continues in Iowa's 2nd District about who will run for the seat held by Democratic Rep Dave Loebsack. He's announced he won't seek re-election in 2020. On the Democratic side, State Senator Kevin Kinney has decided against running, preferring to stay in the Iowa legislature and on his rural Johnson County farm. Iowa City businesswoman Veronica Tesler also took a pass on the race, saying she's about to announce an exciting new venture, apparently business-related. In bowing out, however, Tesler called for a courageous candidate who would support the full, bold, progressive agenda, the Green New Deal, breaking up Big Ag, Medicare for All, etc., etc., etc. It seems everyone is waiting on former Senator Rita Hart to make a decision on the race. She built up a lot of goodwill in her role as Fred Hubble's running mate, in 2018, and seems to be the front runner for now, uh, even without announcing that she's running. Uh, there are a couple of other Democrats eyeing this race. Ian Russell, uh, Quad City's attorney, has been mentioned, and Scott County Supervisor Ken Croken. Uh, Ed, what's the buzz at the east end of this district for those folks who aren't underwater, I guess? <laughs> yes, for those who aren't tossing sandbags.
1: Um, You know, I I think the political buzz is about the presidential race, um, which, you know, I know what we aren't talking about, but, you know, I think it's uh, something that uh, uh, whoever wants to run uh, to replace Lobsack is going to have to deal with. Uh, There's all these presidential hopefuls are coming through, gobbling up a lot of the attention. And so, at least for a time, I think it's going to be difficult for uh, for some of these folks uh, to get some notice. But, you know, I, I do think there's some interest in this race. I mean, we haven't seen a a primary here in a dozen years. And it's been a while since the second's really seen a a good competitive in a general. So, you know, with the open seats, uh, you know, there are some people who who are making it known that they're interested. And I agree with you. A lot of people are waiting to see what Rita Hart does. And I think the speculation uh, about her running got an extra injection earlier this week when Sherry Bustos, the head of the DCCC, uh, posted a picture of her. I think it was on Instagram at an event, um, Frankly, I'd be surprised if she doesn't run. She mm-hmm. did um, rack up a lot of goodwill uh, in her run uh, with uh, Fred Hubble, and, and given that she's from Clinton, the swing county in the district, I think she'd be very competitive. But uh, but I also think that, you know, um, there's other Democrats who, who are very interested. I don't think they'll necessarily fall away if she does announce.
0: Do you see any of these candidates um, sort of inserting themselves into the, the presidential campaign events? I mean – making themselves seen there or or are any of the um, presidential hopefuls, you know, giving shout outs to candidates or potential candidates?
1: Uh, You know, I'd be surprised if any of the congressional candidates or um, the presidential candidates would 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 pick a favorite. That just Mm -hmm. wouldn't make any sense. Uh, But sure. I mean, I think to the extent that uh, uh, that uh, you know, uh, a presidential candidate is in town and attracts a lot of interest. Uh, somebody who's running for Congress would, would just most, you know, would naturally want to uh, attach themselves to some of that, uh, it, even, you know, just in the sense that uh, not showing support, but, uh, uh, but making it known that, you know, that they're out there, sure.
0: Or, or is it more important for the congressional hopefuls to be seen uh, tossing sandbags at this point?
1: well I, I i don't suppose that would hurt
0: um and unless you have back problems then it might but uh, <laughs> uh, uh okay Meanwhile, there are a number of names on the- of potential Republican candidates floating around uh state senators Chris Cornor of Leclaire and marionette Miller Meeks of Otumwa have been mentioned both are in their first term in the Iowa Senate. Uh, I haven't heard either of them talking about the race, so it's hard to gauge their interest or intentions. Um, One Republican who is talking about the race is Thomas Kedley, a high school teacher and mayor of Osceola on the the western end of the 2nd District. He's filing the paperwork to run. Thomas, um, you you know Kedley. Um, What can you tell us about him?
2: Well, I should, uh, with a quick caveat that I know him from, he and I are friends from high school and when we went to, well, also from Clinton, uh, similar to Rita Hart. And, um, you know, I, I think one thing is that, you know, Tom Dudley is a competitor. He's always kind of been involved in like uh, elections in school, but not in a way that I think people kind of expect. He actually was uh, one of the nominees to be our mascot because Clinton <laughs> High School went for years without a mascot. Um, and then they, we, were, we voted to come up with a mascot. We named it Rudy the River King, thanks to Tom Kudley's uh, campaigning, specifically on the basis of naming it Rudy because of the television, oh, not television movie, but just movie Rudy. And so, you know, he's good at drumming up votes, at least in high school, certainly. Um, and I think overall, you know, he's been able to get a lot of press before. Um, you know, he, uh, he was able to get some, an article in the Morning Register several years back uh, he lost a lot of weight between high school and now, and he tried to raise money by uh, saying that he'd run across uh, Iowa, and he was able to get an article and get some uh, press from that, and I think right now his, he hopes to kind of do that. Uh, you know, I remember him as the school's mascot and a guy that can play a mean guitar and last chance to Mary Jane on it, so uh, as far as po- his political ambitions go, I can I've seen that change from him, but, you know, uh, everyone changes in high school, so uh, it'll be interesting to see whether or not he uh, he ends up being a contender.
0: All right, okay. The, the other name that is out yeah. there uh, is a name, uh, I think, Ed, you mentioned a couple of weeks ago, is Bobby Schilling, uh, the former Illinois congressman who now lives in the 2nd District down, in, uh, I think, at LeClaire, is it, or um, Buffalo, one of... The-
1: uh, yeah up by LeClaire. um he uh, he has shown some interest he 's one of a number of Republicans that whose name has been uh kicked around uh but but yeah um that that would be an interesting thing to see to see a uh, a congressman uh from one state come over and uh and and win in a uh, a bordering state um, i'm sure it 's happened but uh it's got to be rare
0: <laughs> yeah i'm sure uh yeah it'll be interesting to watch that are are there any other names uh that you are hearing that might run in, uh, on the Republican side?
1: Well, um, Chris Canoyer, the state okay. senator from yeah. uh, from Leclaire uh, has been mentioned, and uh, marionette Miller Meeks, Robbie Smith has been mentioned. Mm-hmm. I don't know you know how many how much interest any of these uh, folks have, but I would expect that um, you know there would be uh, uh, some pretty stiff competition on the Republican side for the nomination right.
0: Yeah, and uh, Chris Peters, who has run a couple times against uh, Lobsack, told us last night that he is not running, um, or at least his wife has told him he's not running. <laughs> so, uh, so he's not so he's in not the race. Running. He's not <laughs> running. Yes, exactly. All right, uh, moving from the 2nd District to the 3rd District, uh, looks like there might be a GOP primary in the 3rd District. Um, we typically don't spend much time talking about the 3rd District politics, but it's uh, worth noting that Representative, former represent, Representative David Young has jumped into the 2020 race, hoping to win back his seat from Democratic Representative Cindy Axne, um, who has passed on challenging Senator Joni Ernst next year. Uh, but before he gets another shot at Axney, it appears Young may have to win a GOP primary. Zach Nunn of Bondurant, Durant, who won a special election to fill an Iowa Senate seat, is on a listening tour of the district to determine whether he'll seek the GOP nomination. Um, regardless of who wins that, who the nominee is, from a historical perspective, the odds of winning back the seat are pretty long. Freshman members of Congress are considered vulnerable, of course and Democratic voter registration advantage in the third district is just a couple of thousand votes. It's pretty evenly split. Um, however, according to a Smart Politics blog, it's been 50 years since an Iowa freshman has been defeated. Uh, Democrats picked off five Republicans in 1964. Uh, that was the year Goldwater was the Republican presidential nominee. Two years later, the GOP won back four seats. Uh, in two cases, the former congressman avenged their defeats. Um, so a GOP win in the 3rd District in 2020 would not be unprecedented, but uh, unusual. And that brings us to Hot Buttons. Although we wish they had asked for a couple of questions about the 2020 4th District election, Morningside College's recent poll provides plenty of fodder for discussion. A poll of 774 Iowa adults opinion asking opinions on issues ranging from immigration to recreational marijuana produce some interesting, perhaps surprising results. Among the findings, 74% supported a pathway to citizenship for illegal immigrants, but support for a border wall was pretty evenly divided. Kim Reynolds got a 55% approval rating, and Iowa's K-12 school funding was rated fair or better by 70% of the respondents. Todd, anything jump out at you or... Strike you as interesting in that in the survey results?
3: Yeah, I thought it was interesting that significantly more Iowans are opposed to sports betting than legal recreational marijuana, which I <laughs> sort of. <laughs> legislature is very ready to pass sports betting, but even medical marijuana, they get a little skittish. So I don't know if they've got their finger on the pulse. And you know, at, at 40, what is it, was it 47% approve of Recre- of recreational marijuana? I think 40, yeah, something 47, like that, yeah. so and then 55% approval rating for. Uh, Reynolds. So, in a theoretical head-to-head matchup, legal marijuana is only trailing the governor by eight. So, and it's you know, early. Yeah, it is. It's very early. So yeah. that's, that's. I thought that was that kind of surprised me that that recreational marijuana was did as well as it did in that poll, and mm-hmm. you know, so much better than something. I mean, we've got so many casinos and the lottery and all of that that you'd think gambling wouldn't be wouldn't still get people fired up.
0: Uh, of course, we're still waiting to learn whether the governor will sign that sports betting legislation. Do you think the finding that 55% oppose sports betting will influence her decision?
3: I don't know. You know, polling on gambling stuff, I, I was looking back at some things while I was writing uh, something for the weekend. And in, I think in 1989, when, when they did riverboat gambling, it was the Iowa poll had it 49% opposed and 47% in favor. And, and Branstad, I don't think, batted an eye at that time and signed the bill. Uh, so in the Iowa poll this year, I think it had 52% against sports betting. So it's 52-40, I think it was, something like that. So it's, you know, I think a lot of times with gambling, it's who wants it and the influence that they have. And the casino lobby has been fairly influential and successful. <laughs> and they I've also heard they have jets you can use once in a while if you, if you, if you need to fly <laughs> around. So the, the governor is, has, has, you know, taken advantage of.
0: Yeah, I guess uh question is which will have more influence, the pole or or flying on Gary Kirk, Gary Kirk's uh, uh jet.
3: Well yeah that that you know he's he's quite the casino magnet. Yes, yes. Uh least. so and you know I, I think that they're gonna you know the gambling the, the casino lobby argues that this is a way for them to bring in you know uh some different a different demographic of gambler because I think they believe younger people will be more interested in sports betting. And you know, you look at their attendance numbers and the and the revenue numbers, things aren't going badly, but they're sort of flat and they're, you know, I think the projections are that, you know, they're they're looking ahead to to maybe, you know, less growth than they've had in the last couple decades. So they're gonna put on the hard press. I mean, there is still an anti gambling, you know, lot you know, there are folks mm-hmm. that are against gambling in Iowa still, believe it or not. I don't know how much influence they have. I think she's listening to them. I think she's doing her best to to make sure everybody knows that she's listening to both sides, but ultimately, I'd I'd be surprised if she vetoed it.
0: Thomas, uh, same question to you. When you look at these poll results, anything that strikes you uh, um, either as odd or interesting or tells us more about? Items? Well,
2: I think what, one of the things that I think is most interesting is the fifty percent uh, oppose uh, funding for a border wall, specifically because that's uh, Donald Trump's like key campaign piece. And that's the majority right now of Iowans are opposing that. And considering how close 2020 is, there may not have been any particular um, polling specifically on the 2020 election, but since that's one of those key 2020 issues, or probably will end up being one of those key 2020 issues, that may give us a, a certain amount of a precursor uh, of what uh, what we might be seeing uh, in that 2020 uh, presidential election. As well, um, I was. Uh, I thought it was interesting to see that 69% of Iowans are in favor of raising the minimum wage. Um, that that'll that'll be interesting to see whether or not that's going to. I don't think I've heard any talk of that in the legislature for a while. So it'll be. I'll be curious to see whether that has any influence on there.
0: Yeah, and that makes me wonder if, when you look at this, uh, these results, if it's sort of evidence of a disconnect between politicians and voters. Um, the sixty the. the the support for the minimum wage, 69% said they favor a minimum wage increase, uh, 69% um, or, or the support, 74% um, say they favor developing a pathway to citizenship for illegal immigrants. Those numbers seem really high compared to what you would think they are listening to Iowa elected officials. Uh, so do you think yeah. there is a disconnect here? Uh, the, maybe the politicians aren't listening?
1: well you know like with, with with gambling i you know i think that um uh you know they're probably listening to a subset of voters who speak the loudest to them um, the morningside poll said that you know a majority of republicans wanted a pathway to citizenship but it was slightly lower at 60 uh, 60% actually that did surprise me that it was that high um but but i think that you know, among the most active Republicans, that number is probably lower. And if you listen to conservative media, "Pathway to Citizenship" is very unpopular, and I think that can be influential. So, you know, I, I think you know it's one of those situations where, um, with politicians everywhere, they they tend to la- listen most to the uh, to the people who speak loudest to them and the ones who are most influential in in their in their own parties,
0: and the ones they agree with.
3: <laughs> right? Yeah, and you know, and the language matters too. I mean, I think pathway to citizenship is is a positive, you know, and that's why, as you mentioned on conservative media, uh, you're never going to hear anybody talk about pathway to citizenship. You're going to hear them talk about amnesty mm-hmm. over and over amnesty. again, which, which is yeah, which is a lot probably would pull le- as it would be less popular.
0: True, true. The wording matters. So. And for us, the wording is that that's it for this edition of On Iowa Politics. I hope it's been worth your time. Thanks for listening. If you like the show, tell a friend, tell all your friends, and subscribe to us on iTunes and Stitcher. Fan mail may be sent to oniwapolitics at com. And you can find us every week on the home pages of the Quad City Times, Sioux City Journal, Muscatine Journal, Mason City Globe Gazette, Waterloo Cedar Falls Courier, and the Cedar Rapids Gazette. Austin Taft will take us out. If you know a band or a talented Iowa musician who should be on our show, send us a sound file, and remember to follow us on Twitter and subscribe to On Iowa Politics on iTunes and Stitcher. For Thomas, Ed, Todd, and our producer Stephen, I'm James Lynch. Thanks for listening.
4: And a joke And then I saw him turn